The ministry of the body is a great thing. Um, I got to see a lot of that this week and this weekend in particular. Uh, it's been very encouraging. I want to thank all of you who uh, uh, did that for each other, ministering to each other. It's just been kind of a neat thing. I meet with a group of men on Tuesdays. Some of you know that, Tuesday mornings. Um, we meet from 6 to 6.45 is our kind of official meeting time. And um, we discuss different books, Bible studies we've been doing during the week. And some of the men leave right from uh, the Bible study and go to work, which is why we stop at quarter to seven. They need to be there at seven, and so um, they take off. Ken Wyant is one of the guys that usually heads for work uh, from Bible study, and so these guys are, are dressed for work. But a couple of weeks ago, he was dressed a bit more on the casual side. He had on shorts and a T-shirt. I knew they had been coming home, driving home from Oklahoma, and uh, I thought, well, maybe, you know, maybe he just got in, didn't have time to change. He came to Bible study, and he's going to go home and going to get ready. Um, after the study, I mentioned to him that he didn't look like he was going to work, uh, and he, he told me that, well, he had planned on being off Tuesday because as they were driving back he didn't want to be in a hurry and he wanted to be able to stop at any any of the things he saw along the way and uh, indeed he did I noticed that he stopped at Venita, Oklahoma and you can see he was thrilled about it <laughs> but it was his idea am I right it was his idea he has relatives there he can tell you all about it and um, they, they stopped there they stopped at uh, Uranus Fudge Factory and General Store I just love the, the name. You don't think about that too hard. Um, in in, uh, in uh, St. Robert, Missouri. And then Lambert's Cafe in Ozark, Missouri, famous for their lamb chops. I just made that last part up. I don't know what they're famous for. And, uh, and, and then Hatch Early Mood Food, the one in, that is in the uh, automobile alley in Oklahoma City. And uh, didn't know I put a tracer on your car there, did you? Um, the, uh, he, he, these are just all from his Facebook postings. You put it on Facebook, I told you before, I think it's fair game. Um, but um, uh, And so he, he wanted to travel that way. And I, I actually prefer to travel that way now, to take advantage of where I'm at instead of the tunnel vision of where I'm heading. That's how I used to travel. I used to be more focused on where I wanted to get than really where I was at the moment. Uh, you know, and, uh, you know, it was very, we're heading to Stewart, Florida. I, I can't help it that you're ha hungry. You should have made a sandwich before we left, you know, or, or uh, I still have an eighth of tank of gas. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not stopping. I'm not stopping. I, I, you should have hung on to that cup from that large slushy. Just cross your legs. It'll be fine. Uh, you know, and because we were deadheading to where I was going, and that's where I—that's where I wanted to go. And too often we find ourselves going through the day like I used to travel. We're focused on where we think we want to get to, and we sometimes miss where God has us right now. Um, and I think you realize I'm talking more than about seeing the sights. You know, as we look at this, God continues to remind me uh, he does not want me to miss where he has me right now. 
He continues to remind me of that fact. He wants us to be aware of where we are at as we continue to follow him wherever he leads. You know, we we need to be following him where he's leading, but also we need to understand he wants us to be more aware of right where we're at. We're going to expand on this a little bit. Let's pray and we'll get into it. Father, thank you for the way you have and are leading. You have led, you are leading. Um, And I think sometimes of of uh, how much I haven't paid attention uh, through the journey. I'm, I'm embarrassed. I thank you for your patience and love with me. And as we all are here, um, this is part of that journey as well. So I pray you would open us now to what you have in your word. I thank you for the time to be able to stop and think on it a little bit more and the time to be able to, I, I would hope, more and more think your thoughts and that it wouldn't be just for this time, but that it would become more and more a habit for us. So open your word. Uh, speak to our hearts, I pray, in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to wander through most of Acts chapter 8. So if you'd turn there in the Pew Bible, it's page 1011. Uh, if you want to turn there, and I think it's warm. If you want to get more comfortable, do it within reason. Um, yeah, so here, you know, we can get so caught up, um, you know, in where we're going or with what's ahead that we become at best dull or perhaps even a little bit worse, totally oblivious to where we are right now. That is not how God wants us to go through the day. That's not how he wants us to go through life. We become oblivious, you know, to where we are and oblivious physically, mentally, spiritually, all of those things. Uh, this passage here in Acts chapter 8 reminded me uh, of, of the need not to be that way, but to pay more attention to God. Now, uh, follow along. Verse 1 says, Saul agreed with putting him to death. That's referring back into chapter 7. Chapter 7 talks about the stoning of Stephen. Uh, and Saul was there, you know, it says they laid the coats at, at the feet of this guy named Saul. And this was Saul, this is Paul. Uh, who later, be, you know, becomes Paul when he has an encounter with Christ. And so that's what he's talking about, agreed to putting him to death, the rest of it there. On that day, a severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. Devout men buried Stephen and mourned deeply over him. Saul, however, was ravaging the church. He would enter house after house, drag, drag off men and women, and put them in prison. Now, do you get the picture there? It says he entered the house. He went right into how he entered that house and he dragged these people off. Verse 4. So those who were scattered went on their way preaching the message of good news. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah to them. The crowds paid attention with one mind to what Philip said as they heard and saw the signs that he was performing. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. A man named Simon had previously practiced sorcery in that city and astounded the Samaritan people while claiming to be somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least of them to the greatest. And they said, this man is a man called the great power of God. Uh, They were attentive to him because he had astounded them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. 
Then even Simon himself believed, and after he was baptized, he went around constantly with Philip and was astounded as he observed the signs and great miracles that were performed. Now we're going to pause there for just a minute, so we are going to pick up again, so you know, either stick your outline there and fill it in or uh, put a marker in at any rate. Uh, the first thing we're told here, notice about uh, those who had um, had to flee for their lives, uh, is they stayed aware of God right where they were at. Look at verse 4. It says, So those who were scattered went on their way, preaching the gospel. While they were on their way, while they were going, while they were, while they were moving still, uh, they were still preaching the message of the good news. While they were on their way. Now, remember here, you would think that they would be a little more focused on getting away, not getting dragged off to prison. I know at least I would be thinking, you know, that would kind of tend to dominate my thinking. Uh, you know, saving my neck, you know, how in the world can we, uh, you know, we don't, we don't want to find ourselves, you know, arrested and dragged off, you know, literally. Um, but just reminded me that we need, we need to be so aware of God that He dominates our thinking and our actions. Uh, you know, not unaware, now what we're talking about here is we're not unaware of our surroundings. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that in those surroundings, in those places where we are, we're always aware of God. We are always aware of him in our surroundings. It's, it's not the surroundings, you know, but it's, it's paying attention to God while we are right there. While we are in that spot, in that place. They were aware as they went along that people that they met still needed to hear about Jesus. Not hear a story about how bad it was for them. Not to hear a story about how bad it was in Jerusalem. They could have traveled and they could have, where are you going? Well, you know, in Jerusalem, they are, they are dragging people out, you know, out of their houses. You know, you should have seen my neighbors. You know, they and I got out of there before. They weren't, they weren't looking, you know, they, they knew people didn't need to hear about what was going on in their life. They needed to hear about Jesus and about him. It says, so they went on and they, and they preached the gospel. They were not so consumed with thoughts about me. Uh, they stayed open to God's leading right where they were on that journey. You see, they were still on, they were still traveling, they were still going, but they were aware of, they were aware of God while they were going, while they were traveling, while, it, while they were getting away, if you will. And then we're told about a specific example of this type of living as we hear about Philip. Now remember, Philip was there. He was going <coughs> because of the opposition to God's people sharing the gospel. There was opposition to God's people sharing the gospel in Jerusalem, and so they were chased out. And as they were chased out, you know, and, and he's going and he's traveling along, uh, you know, he's still telling others about Jesus, even though he knew it could cost him personally financially you know we we can and it it could make them uncomfortable it wouldn't be a comfortable thing you know wondering as you're talking are they going to turn me in and you have this we sometimes keep quiet because we don't want to be embarrassed or we don't want to be thought of as you know some religious nut uh, we, we we don't tell people about jesus sometimes because well it, it would make us feel uncomfortable and we don't want to be uncomfortable. You see, and so what we do, we keep quiet and we let other people go to hell because we don't want to be uncomfortable. 
Now, remember here, um, you know, God is shining a light into my life here. And I am simply telling you some of the things God reminded me of about myself. It just happens to apply to uh, many of us, you know, as we're going along through life. It seems here, Philip, one of those who fled Jerusalem due to the persecution, not a comfortable situation, but he remains open to God where he found himself. Now, certainly his life was affected by having to flee. When you flee, you grab what you can and you go. You don't have time to pack up the whole house. Now their whole house would have been less stuff than ours. But still, you don't have time to, you know, tie up any loose ends. Or, you know, he's fleeing. He's running. And it seems he finds himself on this trip here in a place he didn't expect to be. He didn't expect to be there. He didn't expect to have to flee. He didn't expect to have to run. He didn't expect to have to, you know, to have to move out of where home was. But he chose here instead, notice, to focus on people's need to hear about Jesus rather than his own predicament. We sometimes get so caught up in our own predicament in our own, what's going on in our own life, that we are that we become oblivious to to those around us and and to what's and, and to where God has us at the time. Now, some of those distractions, though, you know, as he's as he's moving along, some of these new new things, God is opening new opportunities in life that never would have been there before. They never would have been there before. You know, had he not had he not gone and had he not traveled, because he wouldn't even have been there. Yeah, so don't, don't be so consumed by your own issues that you overlook the opportunities of where you are at right now. Don't be so consumed with, you know, with what's happening, you know, for yourself that you, that you miss the opportunities that are there right now. God worked through Philip's openness. He worked for, through Philip's willingness to tell others about Jesus. And Philip saw new opportunities, and the results were dramatic. Look at verse, verses 7 and 8 there. It tells us that people were re- released from demons, it says. You know, that, that, that's, that's, that's a big deal. And it says that others were healed of, of physical ailments. And notice, it says the result was that there was great joy in that city. You know, this is, they were, they were fleeing and, and they were still aware, they were still aware of what, of where they were at, of right where God had them, and of God being there with them as they were fleeing, and He opens up all of these, all of these things before them. You see, when you tell others about Jesus, God works and lives are changed. When you tell other people about Jesus, God works and lives are changed. Sometimes we get this a little backwards and we tell other people how to change their life instead of how to find God. But when God works, lives are changed. And, you know, and, and people come to know Jesus when, when they hear about him. Now, we may not see demons cast out, uh, but people will be set free. You see, when they come to know Jesus, people will be set free from sin. They will be set free from the domination of sin. Uh, we may not see lame people get up and walk, but people's hearts will be healed. Their souls will be healed. You'll be bringing healing in, into lives. And, you know, every person that comes into a relationship with God is a miracle. 
We forget that sometimes. They are changed from a sinner to a saint because of what God has done. They are a walking miracle. I don't know if you ever thought of yourself as a walking miracle, but you are. You see, because we were once bound for hell and headed for hell, and when we come into that relationship with Jesus, God changes it changes not only the direction of our life, and he begins to you know, do that changing within us, and you, you know, that is a miracle right there. Now, we're told here about a sorcerer named Simon, and he was fascinated by the miracles, it says. So he followed Philip, and he was impacted enough, it says, that he believed and was baptized what he did he made a public declaration there a public declaration of his belief and the message of new life in jesus now several weeks ago a few weeks ago um, we baptized eight people and you know they shared with you about about what it meant you know and and new life in christ Uh, just let me uh, remind you again you know any, uh, if any of you want to want to know more about baptism or be baptized, you know, write yourself a note right now. Write me a note right now, and you know, hand it to me on the way out. We'll talk about that. You know, but that's an important thing here. So he's making this public declaration of his belief, you know, in the message of new life in Christ. Now it seems perhaps um, his belief may not have been real genuine because if you, we're not going to take time now. But if you read down through verses 14 through 25, it tells of an encounter Simon had with the apostles Peter and John, and as they were uh, interacting with him. Um, you know, uh, the disciples, the apostles pick up a, a little bit a different vibe on the guy here. And it seems as you read through there, he was more interested in having power to do miracles. I don't know, maybe something to enhance his sorcerer status a little bit more. We're not told the details, except we're told that, um, you know, he, he seemed to be pursuing God for the wrong reasons. And that just didn't go well. But we're really looking at the life uh, of what went on in Philip's life. So drop down to verse 26 in, in that chapter. Chapter 8, drop down to verse 26. It says, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert road. So he got up and went. There was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch, a high official of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her entire treasury. Uh, This is an important guy here. Uh, He had come to worship in Jerusalem and was sitting in his chariot on his way home, reading the prophet Isaiah aloud. The spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. When Philip ran up to it, he heard him reading the the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you are reading? How can I, he said, unless someone guides me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the scripture passage he was reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will describe his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. The eunuch replied to Philip, I ask you, who is the prophet saying this about, himself or another person? So Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning from that scripture. As they were traveling down the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Verse 38. 
Then he ordered the chariot to stop, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him any longer. But he went on his way rejoicing. Philip appeared in Aztos and as he was traveling and evangelizing all the towns until he came to Caesarea. You see, again, as he's going, he's evangelizing. As he's going, he's, he's telling people. Well, Philip was having a good ministry in Samaria here, and people were released from demons, others cured of physical ailments, uh, a sorcerer who was hearing about Jesus. The result, we're told, was great joy in that city. And God sends a messenger, an angel. Really, when you in, in Scripture, when you see the word angel, I mean, that, that very much angel means messenger. And so here you have a messenger that comes and sends Philip somewhere else. Now, Philip was having an impact in Samaria, People were coming to know Jesus, and the Lord sends a messenger. Here's the next step. Go to the road that leads from Jerusalem to Gaza. Here's that very, here's that next step for you. But again, we're told as he was going, he was still evangelizing. Now, this was a long trip. It was a long trip from Samaria. Uh, Samaria is north of Jerusalem to get to the desert road that goes to, from Jerusalem to Gaza. Gaza being south of Jerusalem, he'd have to go back into through uh, Jerusalem where he was, you know, where he he had fled earlier, that possibility of persecution there. And he goes down the road to Gaza. It was a long road. And another, it was a dangerous place to be, that road that was going down. And it says the desert road. It's specifying which road he's on. Uh, you know, now he's not told why he should go there. Did you realize that? He is not told why he should go. Go down to that desert road. He's not told why. He's not told what's going on. He doesn't exactly, he doesn't even seem to be told exactly where on this road to go. It's a long road. So he doesn't have the why. He doesn't have the, the, the where really. But Philip obeyed even though he didn't have all the details. He followed out, he followed, uh, he followed the next step that God had laid out for him at, at this point. As I was reading this, I was just reminded of, I coached Mandy's softball team um, when she was in elementary school. Let's say I was not a calm coach. Let's just word it that way. Um, I had a group of 15, 8 to 10 year old girls. Uh, a few knew how to play softball. Many of them were there really for the social aspect of, of getting together because many of them went to the same school. It wasn't Mandy's school. Uh, it was a different school. And, and many of them were from that same school, and they were, they were good friends. There was this one little girl named Eleanor. Eleanor, was, she, just, she was a, a great kid. She really was. She just, she was uh, she was positive. She had a, you know, just a, a wonderful personality for this little girl. And uh, she was just, uh, she was just a lot of fun as, as a person. Um, now, but with Eleanor, there was never a hair out of place. Eleanor came to practice in practice clothes and stuff, but her hair was always perfect, you know, and it, often with bows in it, you know, either a ponytail or pigtails and stuff and um, and she was you know she was kind of bouncy a little bit and when i say she was all girl in our society now that's a bad thing but you know what she was just all girl uh, you know and, and and there she was and she w was fun well 
We had one game, and we, I can still picture this in my mind like it was just this week. Um, we, we were in a close game, and, uh, you know, as we're, as we're playing this game, and when, when that happens, I would coach the girls a, a little more vigorously, a little more um, uh, vocally, and uh, this was one of those games. Um, I was coaching third base. And by some strange twist of events, Eleanor made it to third. Uh, you know, and, and as, as I recall, you know, bases were loaded and so it was probably a walk or something. And, uh, so I'm standing coaching the base and Eleanor's in front of me. Uh, and our batter is up and hits the ball and it goes to the outfield. Now, softball with eight to ten year olds doesn't mean it was hit to the outfield, you understand. It just means it made its way to the outfield. And I said, run, Eleanor. And Eleanor's standing there watching the game. And I'm standing behind Eleanor. And she's very interested in what's going on as she's standing on the base. I said, Eleanor, run, run. And Eleanor just is still standing there. I'm getting a little worked up here. And said, Eleanor, run. Run, run home, Eleanor. You know, and she can't hear me. You know, and she's, she's just watching the game as they're fielding the ball. And I am, I can't touch the kid and I can't run on the field. I wanted to run in front of her, Eleanor, because I know I couldn't touch the kid. She'd be out if I touched her. So I couldn't touch her. So I'm trying to get her attention and I'm yelling, Eleanor, Eleanor, run, run home, run home. And I'm, I'm six inches from the back of this kid's head yelling as loud as I can, Eleanor, Eleanor! And I'm jumping up and down. And I'm waving my arms and stuff. And then, uh, you know, Eleanor just kind of looks around and sees me. And I'm saying, Eleanor, run home! Run home! And she gets this puzzled look on her face. Run! I'm saying, run! Run home! And, and, uh, you know, Eleanor has, you know, she has one of those, oh, who, me? Moments. (laughs) And, uh, run! Eleanor takes off for home. And where she could have walked in there, if she would have done it when I first said it, we have a close play at home. Now, Eleanor is safe because 8 to 10-year-old girls aren't always real good on throwing and catching the ball. <laughs> but she was safe. And they brought... Everyone in that park and all the businesses along the road, knew I wanted Eleanor to run. Eleanor was the only one who wasn't getting the message that I needed her to run home. And it was, you know, it was, as I was thinking about that, you know, she was just simply so caught up in what was happening. And she was so caught up, you know, in in the things that were going around that she wasn't, listening to her coach at all you know sometimes we're waiting for a sign when we should be engaged in what god has already made clear to us instead of waiting for that sign sometimes that sign is already there god is screaming to us sometimes and we are distracted by what's going on around us We just lose our focus. Philip here, he heard the message and he did what God told him to do. 
You see, that is part of what faith is. Faith in God requires a willingness to act on what we know, despite all of what we don't know. You know, without not not being stopped because of what we don't know, but going forward in what we do know. Philip did what was clear, you know, what was clear in the faith that God would continue to make the next step clear as well. Some of you are holding back, even though God has called you to take a step. God is, is screaming in some of your ears, and you are you are holding back instead of doing. Run. Follow God, do what God says, where He says, and where He has, you'll do it. As Philip is following here, and he's following what he did know. He knew God wanted him to go down to Gaza. He didn't know why, he didn't know exactly where. But he did know God wanted him to go there. And it says then again, as he was going, he was evangelizing as he was going, as he was doing it. Why? Because he knew that's what God wanted him to do. And what do you know? As he gets there, he happens to come across an Ethiopian official. A guy who's high up. I mean, he's high up in in Candace's, you know, royal hierarchy there. And he happens to, here's how we would say, just happens to be on the same road. Do you suppose God knew that? All right, let me give you the answer. Yeah, God knew that. This is why God has Philip down there. Yeah, and he, there's this guy on the same road. And notice, this guy is already curious about God. And Philip gets, gets to lead a guy, you know, he gets led to this guy who is already open to God. He gets led to a guy who is already looking for answers. He just needs a little help. And he, we're worried sometimes, you know, that we don't know enough to say. This guy was already looking. This guy was already searching. Philip was just able to tell him something he that Philip already knew and able to point him in the right direction. And Philip didn't know he was going to be with this Ethiopian official. He couldn't prepare for it. He couldn't prepare for it. He had no idea where, where he was going, who he was going to even be talking to, or that he was going to be talking to someone here. See, trust God. Trust God, you know, that He will be with you where He leads you and will help you meet any challenges that arise. This was really here a very brief encounter. It was, it was just a very simple touch, but in many ways, a very profound touch. just a very brief conversation we have no indication that they met again in fact the scripture says that the ethiopian never saw him again but it was just that brief encounter there god will use you in profound ways as you do this same thing when you obey right where you are now here's the thing you may never know how profound that way was. You may never know what the impact was. It says Philip was then gone. He was taken and they didn't see each other again. One of the things I noticed as I was reading through this passage, 
Philip was always actually on his way somewhere else. Philip was always going somewhere else. You know, there was, he was in Jerusalem. Persecution came. He was going somewhere else. He's in Samaria ministering. God calls him to go to the, to, uh, the, the road between Jerusalem and Gaza. So he's on his way to somewhere else. He's on his way. He shares. And in all of these places he's sharing. He's in Samaria. As he was on his way, it says, as they were on their way, they were telling people about the Lord. As he got to Samaria and he's preaching. And then he was still doing what? Telling people about the Lord. God moves him down to down to the road to Gaza. It says, on the way, they were evangelizing. As they were on their way. He gets down to this road. He comes across this, this Ethiopian. He's always on his way somewhere else. But, you know, in all of them, and all of them, even while he's on his way somewhere else, he is still, he is still open and paying attention to what God has for him. Always on his way somewhere else, but stayed aware of where he was at right now. And God used him where he was at right now. As you think about where God wants you, and where God's taking you. Look at where you are at right now. <coughs> Don't miss the right now. Because here's the thing to realize. If you're following God like you should be, if you're following him, if you're spending time communicating with him, which means, you know, you're praying and you're listening. You know, you're reading his word and you're, you're communicating with him. And so if, if you are, you know, walking with him as you should be, and he, he may be leading you somewhere and you may be heading in that direction, but here's the deal. If you, if you are listening to him like you, like you should be and you're going along where you are at right now is where God wants you. It's not just that place you're heading, but it's where you are at right now is where God wants you. I'm not saying you stop. What I'm saying is realize that as you are on that journey, as you are going and you are going towards that next place, he may have other plans for you. Okay, let me tell you, he does have more plans for you. How do I know? Because you're still here. Just just a thought for you there. He has more plans for you, but you know what? If you're following him right now, you are where he wants you. Even while you may be on your way to the next thing he has for you. And he wants you to be aware of the right now. We're running out of time, so let me let me just give you really two of the in my mind were the big takeaways here that God shined on for me. The first one we really didn't develop too much because I get carried away sometimes. Uh, you know, don't be intimidated by who you are speaking to. Rather be motivated by who you are speaking for. Don't be intimidated by who you are speaking to. Rather be motivated by who you are speaking for. You are speaking for God himself. Philip comes across this Ethiopian official who was no doubt not only traveling officially, he was in a chariot for one thing, 
he probably had a bit of an entourage, not a huge one. Or maybe it was. We're not told. But here's the thing. You know, it, it can be intimidating sometimes to talk to other people. Don't be intimidated by who you're speaking to. Rather be motivated by who you're speaking for, God himself. And the second thing, God wants us aware of where we are right now. As we continue to follow wherever he leads. Right now. Too often, too often we head through our day focused on where we want to get to. And sometimes we miss, we miss where God has us right now. We miss the right where I am. Listen. Listen to and follow God. Let him use you right where you are now. Father, we need your guidance without question and we need your direction. But as we look for that, sometimes we're distracted and we get out of focus on on what you are trying to do with us and through us and sometimes for us right now. Don't let us be so caught up in things that we uh, miss you talking to us. We miss you screaming to us to see where you have us right now. As we move toward each step along the way with you, Father, we are still in your will. We are still very much where you want us and where you would have us. So help us to be aware of the right now in our walk with you, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.